6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. You know, you heard it on the show yesterday, um, but it was that news uh, that is precautionary measures uh, across the country, Alberta and Canada as a whole, pausing the use of the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine in anyone under the age of 55. Now, you'll remember Alberta Chief's Medical Officer of Health said the decision comes after rare reports of blood clots in people in Europe. Some who received the dose reported a blood clot in the brain four to 20 days after getting injected. So far, there are no reports of this happening in Alberta or Canada, and Dr. Hinshaw says the benefits of receiving the vaccine far outweigh the risks. It is important to remember that AstraZeneca is very effective at preventing severe outcomes from COVID-19 infection, and that COVID-19 infections come with a very significant risk of blood clots and other complications. In other words, the benefits of getting the vaccine far outweigh the small potential risks in groups more likely to have severe outcomes from COVID-19 infection, such as those age 55 and older. Because of this, we will continue to offer it safely for Albertans over the age of 55 when more doses arrive in the coming weeks. All right, but what does this announcement mean for confidence in AstraZeneca? What does it mean for um, the vaccine rollout moving forward? Um, Jason Tetro is a microbiologist. He is the host of the Super Awesome Science Show and, of course, the author of The Germ Code and The Germ Files. He's been following this closely now for well over a year. Jason, welcome back to the show. Uh, great to be joining you. All right. So, how concerned do we need to be concerned? How concerned do we need to be about um, the 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 red flags going up when it comes to AstraZeneca? Uh, not really at all. Um, the, the thing is, is right now what we're seeing is a population effect. In other words, um, you're having millions and millions and millions of doses happening, and a couple of uh, of adverse events are popping up. This vipit, um, and so what's happened is that because it is so rare in the community, we didn't actually see it in the phase one, two, or three uh, clinical trials, and now we're starting to see some of this happening in a larger population. Now, the reason that the pause is on is because a group in Germany may have found what the mechanism is, and we may be able to develop a test to find out. But in that process, because it is so rare, the likelihood of anybody here in Canada actually getting it is incredibly low. Yeah, having said that, though, Jason, um, you know, there, there, there is concern. I mean, people are, are worried about this. People are worried. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll be honest with you, some people who've received it have texted me and said, no, I'm good to go, whatever. I mean, you know, I, I'm fine. Other people are like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm counting down, you know, the next 20 days. What do you tell yeah. them? Well, what I tell them is that, first off, it's a PR disaster. Um, and, and unfortunately, optics and perception do a heck of a lot more than science when it comes to getting the you know public to be convinced. It's one of the reasons why I'm so effective in what I try to get across is because I make sure you understand what I'm talking about. And that's one of the problems that we're facing right now is that the rarity of these clotting events, and I could explain it, you wouldn't understand me, but I could explain it, um, is so difficult for people to comprehend that what ends up happening is they get turned off. 
And this happens all the time in science, right? You, you hear someone start going off on all sorts of jargon and stuff like that. Of course, you're going to turn them off. Well, that's basically what's happening here. What I can tell you, though, is that with respect to the AstraZeneca vaccine, there has been no, no cases of this type of clotting, Zipit, here in Canada. And the population effect seems to be somewhere in around one in every million or even less than that, depending on where you happen to be. So while the pause is on, if you happen to be still within the age group that they're giving this vaccine to, then I still think that you should be rolling up your sleeve. Uh, so, Jason, uh, you know, you talk about one in a million, you look at what's happening in Europe, and yes, we know that the vaccine rollout there, there's been a lot more vaccine put in people's arms mm-hmm. over there. So is it just a matter of time, though, until something like this happens in Canada? Well, we're waiting on the mechanism. But what I have been looking at myself, based on, you know, my 30 years, is that this type of rarity is usually associated with a genetic trait. Okay. It's called a SNP. It's, it, all it means is that there's some little change in your genetic material that makes you completely unique from everybody else. And if it does come down to that, then what we can do is we can look for that particular mutation or change or polymorphism, whatever you want to call it, and then we can say, okay, well, probably best for you not to get the vaccine. We just don't have that yet. And so we have to make sure that we can either confirm that it is, and if we can confirm it, then we can essentially say, okay, don't take the vaccine. Or we essentially say, okay, it's not that, but the rate is so low that we should still be allowing people to get it. Yes, this VIPIT, and maybe we can, I know it's, it's, it's pretty confusing, just so people can understand maybe a little bit what it is. It's vaccine-induced prothrombotic immune no, I don't know what the next word is, though. Thrombocytopenia. <laughs> yeah, I nailed it. Um, and there was also some questions about uh, low levels of platelets in, in some of the patient's blood. Can you, in a, in a you know, grade 10 level, <laughs> explain what this means? Yeah. So basically, when your blood clots, you have platelets, right? And platelets are necessary in order to create clots. But what happens is if you have too little platelets, thrombocytopenia, then you're more likely to develop clots just simply because the factors that are involved in regulating clotting um, essentially disappear. Now, what is happening is that something in the vaccine, something in the adenovirus, seems to be creating a trigger point in a very small amount of uh, people that is leading to that type of thrombocytopenia as well as the production of clots where you just don't want them to be, such as the brain and other places. That's the prothrombotic component of it. So basically, vaccine-induced prothrombotic means it forms clots, thrombocytopenia, which means it's killing away your platelets, which means that you have a greater chance for clots. It's bad. (laughs) That's basically what it comes down to. But it's also incredibly rare. And as I said, it looks like it may only be as a result of a small genetic change that very, very few people on earth would ever have. All right. So, you know, my my text line is blowing up and saying, okay, well, shouldn't they, you know, they're pausing this now. They're pausing Mm -hmm. this now to do research on it. Why didn't they do the research on it before? Because it was outside of the, it was outside of the uh, limitations of the population. If you're testing this in 50 to 100,000 people, you're not going to see it. 
You have to be giving it to 20 to 30 million people in order for people, for us to be able to see it. And we just don't do clinical trials of 20 to 30 million people. It's, it's just not possible. <laughs> so the fact is that all the clinical trials were done, all the clinical trials were shown, it had shown that this did not exist. But then when you start putting it into a much larger population of millions and millions, and you have a rate of about one in every, you know, one to 10 million, then you're going to see a few cases popping up. So right now they're saying no AstraZeneca for people over 65, no AstraZeneca for people under 55. Know, so we've, know, got a ten year, we've got a 10-year window. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, the, I mean, NACI, the, uh, na, uh, the national, uh, sorry, the um, immunization um, advisory group, what they've yeah. done is they've said that you can give the AstraZeneca above 65 now. Um, and, and that in itself was an, another PR disaster because <clears throat> the initial clinical trials of AstraZeneca were in 18 to 55. So when we talked about this many, many months ago, I'm like, this is perfect because we can give it to 18 to 55 and then leave the uh, mRNA ones for the older. Yeah. But AstraZeneca wanted 65 and over, and now it seems like they've got it. So in that light, if you're over 55, AstraZeneca can still be provided to you. So... Uh, yeah, how how does the company recover from the PR disaster, and not just the company? Let's be real, because I think I think mm-hmm. the, um, the 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 vaccination, the uh, the advisory committees, you name it, kind of right across the board, all take one on the chin uh, oh, with yeah. this, regardless <clears throat> or not. So, h- how do you recover from this, or or, or can you? Well, at the moment, what's really happening is um, a blip, and this has happened before. Uh, we were all hating Pfizer in February. Does anybody remember that? Um, we we now hate AstraZeneca. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, we're going to be able to continue on, and, and, and essentially that, that hate will go away. I mean, there are levels of consumer dissatisfaction, and what AstraZeneca and also Pfizer have done seems to be very small compared that to new coke which the people still bring up as being one of the greatest pr disasters of all time and you start to realize that well you know they're they're going to get through this they're going to get past this uh and usually all it takes is the next big thing and you know they'll create some sort of pharma so, so Jace, as, as they put a pause here and, and do more research, what would mm-hmm. that be? What would that research be looking at? Is it is it looking at that specific little genetic yeah. blip that you'd be trying to figure out and see if you can narrow it down and then and then and consistently come up with, yeah, that's the issue. Yeah, uh, and and okay. to be a little bit of an insider baseballer here, uh, the reality is the people that in Germany who actually came up with Vipit are the ones who are actually studying that small genetic trait, so they're probably already. Yeah on it <laughs> so yes. i mean it's just one of those things where it sort of um isn't a robberus where it's eating itself and eventually it comes up with it uh, that one particular laboratory but right now they just don't have enough information to be able to share that yeah you know what i think one of the biggest challenges through the past uh 15 months jason is you know we're we're constantly learning new things right okay well should we be <laughs> wearing masks remember all that right at the, at the beginning should we be wearing masks how far apart should we be standing all of this sort of stuff and so as we consistently learn new information the 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 rules or suggestions or the recommendations around things change and people want to have 
this is what you need to do, and this is the reason mm -hmm. why from the get-go. When they see things change, they question it and call into question the um, the the efficacy of it. They call into question mm -hmm. the knowledge of the people who are as or who are telling us about it. Again, all the way around, it's been a real challenge to make sure that um, the proper information gets out there and people understand it and have confidence in it. Absolutely, and and I actually agree with you 100% because yeah. when I'm trying to help the public understand what these um, health professionals and, and public health officials are doing, because it, you know I've been interacting with them in the past, it hurts me to see them all of a sudden make a change and then use the excuse, yeah. well, the science has changed, right? Yeah. I mean, for the last 12 months, I've told everybody when, who's been listening to me to do three things. One, cover your airway. <laughs> Two, make sure you stick to your bubble. Three, know who your contacts are. Don't go too far outside of your contact list because you may not be able to trace it. That's never changed. That's actually been what I've been saying for like a yeah. decade with other things like yeah. flu and stuff. Now, if that had been what had come out from our public health officials, I think we'd have a much better opportunity for the public to not only have faith in it, but also to trust it over the long term. We just haven't seen that. All right, we've been talking about the uh, the pause that has been put on the use of AstraZeneca in uh, Canada, anyone under the age of uh, 55 with uh, the germ guy, uh, Jason Tetro, microbiologist, a friend of this show. Jason, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about the variants and the numbers that we're seeing here uh, mm -hmm. in Alberta. Alberta, um, 249 new cases yesterday, uh, about 2,100 active variant of concern cases in the province, making up about 27.2% of the uh, the active total of all COVID mm -hmm. cases. Um, what, what, what are you expecting with the variants here in, in the coming weeks, with the numbers that we've been seeing? Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I mean, it, we're doing a good job. Um, if you start looking at the variants when they got into Europe and, and also when they got into other places, especially in the States, you actually notice that they exponentially took over as the dominant strain. We're not seeing that. I mean, we're still at 27.2%. I mean, we're growing slowly, but it seems that the majority of Albertans really are still adhering to the measures that are being able to prevent the spread of this virus. So in that light, I think, you know, we should be happy about what we're doing I mean obviously we could always be doing more yeah. but um, I mean I don't think that we're going to run into the same type of troubles that they are currently in Ontario and in you know the United States and of course down in Brazil you know, I, I'm seeing projections of, you know, doubling of cases into 1,000, mm -hmm. 2,000s, whatever here over the coming weeks. I mean, w w what do we go by, Jace? Here's the problem. And, and I mean, it's funny because this is actually something that Premier Kenny said, is that many times when projections are made, they're dead wrong. Because what happens is you make the projections and then people look at those projections and say, not in my backyard, and start to do what's necessary to be able to prevent it from happening. I mean, some people might actually say that the numbers are, you know, augmented, but they're not. Those are what the projections say. We're just doing a better job at being able to stop it. And I think that's one of the big things people here listening need to understand is while there are people who are questioning what's going on, while there are people who are saying, you know, sometimes it doesn't make sense and they might be doubting it at the end of the day you're doing a great job 
And so keep it up. Keep wearing the masks for barrier protection. Keep sticking to your bubbles. Keep the contacts and, and knowing that you can trace them, and you're going to do great. And we know that there are going to be people who are going to essentially say, you know what, I'm not following it for whatever reasons. We know of a very big one on the outskirts of town. At the, you know, but the fact is, is it's a small one. And if we do our part, we'll make them seem negligible. Jason Tetro joining me this afternoon. Always great to chat. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah, you betcha. Microbiologist Jason Tetro. Make sure you check out the Super Awesome Science Show as well, wherever you get your podcasts. On on the same um, vein here, on the same topic, I want to let you know that uh, tomorrow night on the Chorus Radio Network, there's going to be a one-hour special being aired. It's called Canada and COVID One Year uh, Later. We know, you know, that we've managed to get through this pandemic, and it feels like we've been really alone Um, but many of the experiences that we've all been going through have been shared right I mean that's similar stuff so um, tune in at 8 o'clock tomorrow night on 630 Ched and um, this special is being hosted by the shift Shane Hewitt you'll hear stories about uh, when COVID hits home literally the juggling act of working full time uh, homeschooling homeschooling children how our views of political figures have changed as well the emotional toll of having a loved one in long-term care. Uh, talk show host from across the country will be uh, joining in on this one. So again, it's a one-hour special called Canada and COVID one year later. Tomorrow, 6.30 Ched at 8 p.m.